0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners, to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Welcome, uh, everybody, to the show for a Wednesday edition. Appreciate all the Pewter people that are going to be watching us tonight. We got a fun topic that we're going to get into in this primetime episode. Are the Bucks too young at some positions? This offseason, the Bucs really had two objectives. They wanted to get younger and they wanted to get faster. And I think they accomplished both of those. But how young is too young for this Bucks team? Specifically talking about players that will be put into big-time roles for this team that is looking to make the playoffs for the fourth season in a row and really prove a lot of the doubters wrong because not many people have very high expectations uh, for Tampa Bay This season, so a lot to get into on today's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera, joined with me making his Pewter Report debut. He's a friend of the program, has been on multiple times, but officially, as a Pewter reporter, joining the show today, it is James Hill. James, welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, joining me tonight, and welcome to PewterReport.com.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks for obviously having me on. Uh, I know that we've talked about this a lot on social medias, on mine, on Peter Report. Really excited about joining the team. I've already had a ton of fun so far. It's been a blast to cover the team already. We talked uh, already a lot about the OTA practice that we were at together. And now moving forward, we're going to have mandatory minicamp. So there's a lot of content out there, man. It's an exciting time.
0: Yes, absolutely. And James, as he just said, uh, was with us at Bucks OTAs yesterday. You're going to see a lot of his content on our YouTube channel, me and him collabing on some stuff as well. So uh, really trying to make uh, make our YouTube as amazing as uh, we possibly can. And of course, James will be providing uh, other things for Peter Report as well, including uh, some written content down the road too. So very excited about that. Before we talk about today's topic There uh, was a little bit of news uh, for the Buccaneers today. I'm not going to say groundbreaking by any means, but they did waive a kicker today, Jake uh, Verity. A little bit of an interesting move considering that uh, we're still just in OTAs, you know, and with mandatory minicamp going into next week. So I just found it slightly interesting for the fact that I think we were all under the impression that the Bucs were going to have Uh, kicker competition this year I mean we're talking about the quarterback competition and that's obviously the headliner but the kicker was a little bit of the opening act especially with so much stability at that position over the past couple years with uh Ryan Suckup but now it was supposed to be Verity and and Chase McLaughlin but right now it's just McLaughlin um your thoughts about that and I don't think the Bucs are nearly done with uh figuring out who's going to be their kicker when the regular season rolls around
1: Yeah, so this so this was something that I talked about earlier today in a video. Uh, Jake Verdi was released, um, and he was a guy that was a practice squad guy with the Baltimore Ravens. He was a guy who obviously had spent a little bit of time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have also had Chase McLaughlin on the team. They signed him, former Indianapolis Colt, former Cleveland Brown kicker, and now he's the only guy left on the roster. So it's a very interesting situation. They may bring in another kicker. They may bring in another position entirely. But right now, as it stands, you only have one kicker on your roster. So I don't think that the kicking battle is won yet. It's still very, very early in all of these offseason workouts and whatnot. So I think that this competition is far from done. But it is definitely an interesting move. Don't know if they'll bring in another kicker right away. They may bring in some veteran type of guy. Who knows? I think Robbie Gold is still out there, right? So who knows? Yeah who they will bring in. But it was definitely a very interesting move, definitely one that was surprising to me.
0: Yeah, with that question, I don't think we're going to see a, a new kicker that's brought in, let's just say, next week. But I'm with you. I, I think either a veteran such as Robbie Gold, as you mentioned, um, th- sometimes there's always surprise releases as as the summer goes on. I remember like Matt Prater, when he got cut, that was a very surprising move that people – didn't really foresee coming. So I don't think this is, <clears throat> I don't think this is even remotely close to being done. The claim to fame with McLaughlin really is, um, <laughs> he's sort of the anti-Riot suck up. I mean, the closer that he gets, the more inaccurate that he is. But what he does do well is he can hit from 50, from 55. He's actually even like more accurate the further that he is. And I think that's really going to help the Bucs this year. If he wins that job, I'm not anointing him the kicker yet by any means, but because we don't know too much about this Bucks offense yet, we understand it's going to be a new system and a new scheme, but all of a sudden really with the big question mark being quarterback in the Tom Brady era, if the Bucks were settling for a 51 yard field goal, that was considered disappointing and a failure of a drive this year, if the bucks get into the field goal range and McLaughlin's hitting a 55 yarder, that's a successful drive for, uh, this offense. So McLaughlin at least has the leg to get the job done and, uh, we'll see where the bucks go from there.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's the biggest thing with McLaughlin, right. Is that he does have that long range distant ability. I talked about it earlier today. Um, you know, I think he was nine for 12, in terms of 45-plus or something along those lines in terms yeah. of long-range field goals, right? So that's what the Bucks have been looking for. And you want to be able to hit from multiple ranges. I think a guy like McLaughlin's going to give you that ability. And it was a tough thing to move on from suck-up. You know, obviously, from 40 under, the guy is pretty much automatic, whereas a guy like McLaughlin might not be. But you want to be able to score from longer ranges, so you're able to put some points up on the board and not just have to automatically punt in your mind, right? So Mm -hmm. that is kind of the reasoning there with with the difference between those two guys. Like you said, almost like an anti-suck-up or a a reverse suck-up in a way in terms of of kicking ability. But yeah, like I, I don't think that it is a slam dunk thing to say that chase mclaughlin is this team's kicker right now now to be fair matt we were at ota practice yesterday though i don't think i saw him miss a kick um which was which was pretty interesting so they may feel pretty confident about his abilities but um it, it, it still is i would say possible that the buccaneers may bring in another kicker to compete with McLaughlin. Maybe they just felt like Jake Verdi was not solid of enough competition. They wanted to bring somebody else in here, maybe a more experienced leg. We'll have to wait and see. But they could also do a couple of other things with that extra roster spot. They could add some depth to other position groups like tight end, offensive line, all these other different types of groups that they have, or they could use a little bit more experience. That is where you could also see possibly the Bucks going in terms of adding some depth to those groups as well.
0: Yeah, no question about it. So let's kind of transition now to the topic of the day or the night, I guess I should say, since we are in primetime, about are the Bucks too young at certain positions? I know there's two specifically that pop into my head, James. I'm curious uh, where it is for you, though. And when I'm talking about the Bucks being too young, like obviously they want to be a – they want to have an influx of youth. I think they absolutely needed that with – how the season went last year, and obviously those numbers are going to be skewed when you have Tom Brady on your team who's 45 years old. That's going to bring the average age up a lot more, but I do feel the Bucs need to get younger in in other positions. But at the same time, that means that you're going to have players that are inexperienced and uh, are new to the NFL and unfamiliar with certain – ways that that things are going and i just think the biggest thing is sure if you have young players that's great but when they're playing pivotal roles starting roles or key impact minutes for this team that's where it kind of toes the line of like yes we want this part of your game but not that part of your game so is there any position that sticks out to you first where you're like wow they got a young group but uh and they're going to be asked to play and, and really important situations
1: so for me and and you may have the same exact groups Matt but for me there's two one is the tight end position and two is the tackle position specifically Mm. Uh, you take a look at both those groups look Kate Otten, Keith, Payne Durham incredibly young tight end group the veterans quote-unquote are second-year guys right and while they are, you know, a lot of guys to be excited about in Payne Durham. I know a lot of people are excited about him, as you can see on the screen here, as a red zone threat type of guy. And then also Otten and what he was able to give the Buccaneers last year. Co'Keefe was a pretty good blocker for them last year as well. I think that you really could use a veteran in that room. Rob Gronkowski, he's been retired for a little bit now. He's not coming back. You released Cam Brady this off season. I mean, maybe you even bring a guy like Cam Brady back, possibly on a cheaper deal, if you really do want to have a veteran type of guy in there. But I think that that is one position group where they could just even use the leadership of a veteran as well—a guy who's been there, a guy who's been in the league for a while, can kind of teach those guys what to do more so at the NFL level. Uh, And then you look at offensive tackle, which is, geez, a lot of experiments going on in left tackle and right tackle. Tristan Wurfs is being moved over to left tackle. Luke Gedeke is being moved over to right tackle. Uh, You have Brandon Walton, who got some snaps at left tackle last year, and he did some up and down types of things up to that point. But that's pretty much it in terms of overall depth. Uh, Josh Wells is gone has uh, moved on and the team could definitely use a veteran tackle in my opinion I think that is actually one of the more I would say important things left for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to address because look at the end of the day like you don't know if these experiments are going to work out if Luke Gedeke struggles at right tackle or you know gosh good you know forbid that you know Tristan Wirth struggles at left tackle you might have to move him back over to right tackle I would want a veteran tackle a swing tackle at that a guy that if you need him to play some snaps you could rely on him to do so so i would say those two position groups specifically are ones that i i think could certainly use a veteran in those rooms
0: yeah i think you make great points for both of them specifically you nailed it on the head with the tight end position so i'll talk about tight end and offensive line as well we also have a super chat from ldbc's most wanted make sure we get to you as well i see you in the chat there so thank you to LD. BC. But yeah, starting with the tight end, it's surreal to think that the veterans in the group is second year player Coke uh, Coquieft and the starter going into this year with um, Cade Otten. And yeah, then you add Payne Durham into the mix. I'm totally cool with the Bucks bringing in a, a veteran tight end to kind of show them the ropes. I mean, we saw that last year, obviously with camp right there, but Kyle Rudolph as well. But I want to make sure that the tight end coming in knows that the role is strictly just to help the younger guys. Like, I don't want to see that tight end on the field at all. Where, like, Cam Brady dipped into the playing time of Kate Otten. I'm not going to go as far as to say that he stunted the growth and development of Kate Otten as a rookie in his first season. But even like Kyle Rudolph got some playing time last year, where I don't think he should have at all. Kyle Rudolph scored a touchdown last year, caught one from uh, Tom Brady late in the season. Now that might be more at fault of the coaching staff than anything else. on why camp rate was dipping into the the minutes of, of uh, Kate Otten and for Otten specifically, I think that there is so much more untapped potential that we haven't even really seen yet because he was Mr. Second half. He didn't start making plays until, you know, either the bucks were trying to claw their way back into games or just, you know, until the fourth quarter when they absolutely needed him. And I think one thing we're seeing early on with the Dave Canales offense, and yes, there's going to be a ton of motion. Yes, there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, but with tight ends specifically, they're going to get into the flats. They're going to find the the, the short spaces to get open. But the one big play that they like going down the field with is um, over the middle of the field, kind of like at the at the hash marks, just a straight go route down the field. And I think that's where Kate Otten is going to thrive in that role. And I think new tight end rookie tight end at a Purdue Payne Durham can can fit that role as well. He made a very nice one handed juggling catch a couple of OTAs ago, um, as, as you see in the picture there. And I think the tight ends, because there's going to be so many two tight end, three tight end sets, that both of these guys are going to be on the field at the same time, which I think will be super cool and really just be that big red zone threat that I think the Bucs were missing at times last year. Yes, you want to keep throwing it to Mike Evans. Yes, you want to get the ball to Chris Godwin. But if they're not open every single time, you have to find that third and fourth option. I think Kate Otten can do that and Payne Durham can as well co-keep i specifically just look at him as like a fullback extra blocker type of thing i'm not looking at him to provide anything in the passing game like yes he he also scored a touchdown last season on a pass to tom brady specifically it was the game against the cleveland browns but that was one of those you know play action he's wide open like of course he's going to make the catch anyone at the nfl level can kind of make that but you are putting a lot of eggs in that basket of okay, rookie, okay, second-year player, you have to be our guy because we don't have a lot of other options. So I I think having a veteran in there, just as a security blanket, show them the ropes, be an extra coach, kind of be what – and this is a different sport, but the NBA Finals is tonight. It's going on in like an hour and a half. Udonis Haslam on the Miami Heat is essentially a player coach at this point. He doesn't play at all. He's just there for the guys. If they want to bring in a veteran's tight end, I'm absolutely down with that. Man, to your point about offensive tackle, obviously with Luke Gedeke on the right side, but I'm going to look at the entire offensive line as a whole, at least on that right side, because you got Gedeke at right tackle and friend of the program, Cody Malk at right guard. You want to talk about an influx of youth. I mean, that is as young as it gets and as uh as dicey as it really gets. Cause let's face it, Luke Getticke, he'll be on the show tomorrow. Make sure you, uh, you tune in at 7 PM. We'll have Luke, the lifter on the show, but Luke will be the first one to tell you that, you know, he had his struggles last year when he was playing left guard. So now they moved him back to his natural position over at right tackle. So that, um, you know, that's a transition in of itself where yes, you hope for the best and you can see if he plays well, how that's going to help the team, but you don't, hundred percent know that he's going to get the job done and then same thing with uh with Cody Malk you know super exciting a lot of fun a great interview obviously if, if you guys watch the show but if Luke Ennecke struggled at guard last year why is Cody Malk all of a sudden just going to you know change the norm completely you know um so the Bucks are putting a lot of eggs in that basket the at least bright side, though, for the offensive line. And yes, I, I completely hear your point about offensive tackle. Um, Brandon Walden, I think, is obviously a, a good one into the mix. But I like him more as that swing tackle. Maybe not necessarily that, you know, guy that's going to come in and start. Because he did last year, and, you know, after the Saints game where he got thrown into the mix because there was injuries, when he got the start, the results still weren't as great. But at least on the interior you know, you have Robert Hainsey in there that can go in and start if you need. We'll see if Aaron Stinney makes the team. But Nick Leverett um, is another viable opportunity. But on the flip side, James, if things work out for that offensive line on the right side with Luke Etikey and Cody Malk, I mean, you're talking about a formidable front for the next three seasons with guys under contract because they're on their rookie deals. Then you add that with Tristan Wirfs, who's still very, very young on the left side, and obviously the Bucks are going to do everything in their power. They're going to move heaven and earth to make sure that he's a Buck for you know the entirety of his career. You're talking about three of the five pieces on the offensive line being long-term solutions for this team that could pay huge dividends. And then obviously, eventually, you'll have to replace Ryan Jensen and Matt Filer. We'll see how long he's there for, but. It, across the board in the nfl if you have three offensive linemen that uh are are leading the way for you that is that is gigantic for really any team as uh clack five white says zone blocking should help the entire offensive line i agree with that as well but got to get to that super chat from ldbc's most wanted thank you so much for the 499 super chat they say salute pr from california thank you for watching on the west coast where it's uh 420 right now over in california if this was monday we'd be doing roll call i uh, said they say uh i wanted to ask how many current bucks are future ring of honor inductees and why is jason light the best gm in bucks history love the question james feel free to uh, start it off i mean mike evans obviously is an easy answer there uh but anyone else on the roster right now that you think is a future bucks ring of honor inductee
1: Mike Evans, Levante, David—those are two. Uh, I think you could say Tristan works. I mean, gosh, honestly, can you maybe say Ryan Jensen if he keeps on playing a little bit longer? I mean, that's that's a possibility. I mean, who knows? On the defensive side, might you know? I think you can throw Bita Ve in that mix. I think that is a legitimate. Thing, depending on how Antoine Winfield Jr.'s career ends up and maybe even cornerbacks Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Maybe you could throw that guys into the mix as well, but if I had to give one surefire answer on each side of the football, it's got to be Mike Evans and Levante David. Um, so that would be my picks for sure.
0: Yeah, Mike and and Levante are like, without a doubt, no-brainers. I think Tristan Wirfs can get into that, that discussion without question. I mean, we said it on yesterday's show, he's already – Building a Hall of Fame resume. Uh, another guy in this picture that I think can potentially get in there as well is Chris Godwin, because I, I think it's another thing. And a lot of these guys we mentioned are homegrown talent anyway. But when Chris Godwin, the way that he's just evolved year by year and gotten better each season, and this is essentially his second act now, coming back from the torn ACL and his first year, and granted, a lot of it was the Byron Leftwich screens and. We'll see how he looks at Dave Canales' offense, who's also pictured. But Chris Godwin broke a franchise record last season with the amount of catches that he made. Now, it included the playoff game as well, so it wasn't just a regular season record. We're talking about breaking the Bucks' franchise record for most catches in a season, coming off of a torn ACL injury where he didn't even feel 100%. And even right now, he said that he's, like, almost there. I mean, if, if he has... Anywhere remotely close to what was his 2019 season or even the run that he was on in 2021 up until he tours ACL. I think Godwin has to be in the conversation to be a future ring of honor member. I like what you said about Vita Veya. I, I, the problem is when you become their bucks ring of honor member, like you have to be some of the best of the best. Like you got to have a lot of the obviously individual accolades for things you've done with the box, whether it's breaking records or, you know, certain accomplishments. But I think you also have to do things on a national level as well. Like on yesterday's show, Scott was talking about the double digit Pro Bowl appearances that Derek Brooks had, or, you know, John Lynch had the reputation of being the hardest hitter, um, in the league. Same thing with like Allstad at fullback. You know, that was a that was a coming attraction. You know, everyone knew who Mike Allstott was for what he did for this team. So I, I think Vita if he can get a couple of more uh you know national recollection, whether it's uh adding an all pro to his resume, whether it's making a couple of more um a couple of more Pro Bowls, I think that can go a, a long way. Uh, Cali Bucks who uh, another California Bucks fan watching this says, let's not just start putting everyone in the ring of honor. Won't even have room for any names in the stadium. You know, I'll be honest. I've had a problem, not a problem. Like I don't lose sleep at night over it. I do feel at times. The, I'm not, I'm not wording this correctly. What I'm trying to say is the Bucks have had people in their ring of honor that are like more famous for things that they did with other teams than what they did in Tampa Bay. Like, for example, if you asked anybody outside of Tampa, like Tony Dungy, what do you think of him? They'd be like, oh, the Colts head coach that won a Super Bowl. Now, if you go to Tampa, everyone's like, oh, Tony Dungy, like, built that team that won the Super Bowl when John Gruden took over. Uh, Doug Williams as well. And I think they're both deserving mm-hmm. of being in the Bucks ring of honor. But, like, Doug Williams is another guy. If you ask just your typical football fan that doesn't, reside in Tampa you'd be like oh the the quarterback that won a Super Bowl with Washington you know so I feel like the Bucks in the past have mm-hmm. ran into that issue of like giving guys Bucks Ring of Honor accolades that are deserving but they're not looked at as like all-time Bucks nationally so I, I think um the Bucks got to make sure that they get it right there Antoine why junior though I think uh, is another one that absolutely could be up there one day Gonna be real
1: crazy when Tom Brady gets in, too.
0: Yeah, but that's that's different because and I've said this before one, there's nothing you could do. He started his career with uh with the Patriots, but he completely put the Bucks on the map after a decade's worth of bad play, embarrassment, not making the postseason. Like he brought the Bucks back, and also Tom Brady is the perfect example of. He transcends the game of football, you know, like he yeah. it's him and Michael Jordan in terms of just mega, mega stars in their sport that anyone knows him. Like, you know, parents, grandparents, everybody knows who Tom Brady is, just like everyone knows who um, Michael Jordan is. So, yeah, Brady is kind of that exception to the rule. Uh, but a great question. I definitely do. um Definitely do appreciate it. Antoine Winfield Jr., though, man, like, if he gets that second contract, I think that's another really good one. Because the Bucks, let's face it, this team is built on defense, is it not?
1: Yeah, no, it is. I mean, you look at all the pieces who are there right now, like,
0: obviously, Todd Bulls being a
1: defensive-minded coach. Yeah, like, they are built on their defense, especially right now, given the Tom Brady era is no longer a thing. Like, they've got to lean more on their defense. I remember you you said something that was really – uh insightful last pod or maybe the second pod before where you said like look the Bucks' defense kept them in games last year because of unfortunately the the ineptitude of the offense yes. right Todd Bowles and that defense were keeping this team in football games it's a big calling card for Bowles and I, I think that was a huge thing to see from Bowles first year as the head coach to say like hey the defense ain't falling off we're still doing a good job. It just goes to prove that, like, hey, if Bulls can make a right hire in an OC and get this offensive scheme back on track to where it can be successful and benefit the offensive skill position players that are there instead of, you know, matching your best guys up against your best guys and then just hoping it works out right. Um, that is where I think that you really can see this team start to be successful because I think the defense can certainly do its job. Now you just got to see the offense rebound, and hopefully that'll be a thing with a, a proper scheme from Dave Canales.
0: No question about it. I think we, we've nitpicked the Bucks' defense at points to a degree, but at the end of the day, if you're keeping the team off the scoreboard, then uh, that's really all you need to do. You know, we've criticized – the pass rush of the Bucks, most specifically at outside linebacker, we've criticized the fact that there's been a lack of turnovers uh, last season, but still, if you're keeping the team in games, if you're allowing less than 21 points, uh, that that's that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate objective when it comes to this team. So Todd Bowles does deserve credit for that. I know everyone wants to, to hate on some of the head coaching decisions that he's made and I think your, some of your criticism is absolutely fair, especially game management, I think has been something that Todd Bowles really needs to clean up. But as far as still being a, a defensive game caller and everything that comes with it, um, he's still the best of the best when it really comes to that. And when it comes to having an energy drink, you know that the best of the best is Celsius, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. And of course, Peter Report Com. We love Celsius for so many reasons, one of them being the variety of flavors that they have. You can see on the screen there, one of the newest ones that they got uh, available for you to purchase, if you would like, is the Oasis Vibe, which is a sparkling prickly pear lime. You also got the sparkling lemon lime, sparkling orange. Uh, my personal favorite is the Arctic Vibe, also like the cucumber lime and the sparkling uh, strawberry Lemonade as well, so an abundance of flavors that you can find. There is no sugar, uh, no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there. The flavors are delicious, so if you need to know where to find one, go to the Celsius website, and punch in your location on the store locator, and it will give you the most literal accurate location where you can find one, whether it's at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, 7-Eleven, or as I like to say, your bodega. And I'm in New York right now. Might have to stop by a bodega after this and uh, pick one up. And then once you know that you love Celsius because of the variety of flavors and you want to get so many as possible, and you're like, I need more than just one. Need to get it in bulk. Celsius has got you covered. Go over to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save. Get that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And get all the flavors of Celsius. Don't limit yourself to just one. Bucks have a lot of great players on defense. They don't want just one good player. They want a bunch of good players. And You could do the same with Celsius as well. So go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save. And um, have it set up whenever you want to get shipped to your house or apartment. You could do it every week, monthly, quarterly, even yearly if you want to. Please, just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Make Celsius your number one pick. Now, James, we've been talking about the defensive side of the ball. I want to stick with it because we talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. before, and rightfully so. But you look at the safety room after Antoine Winfield Jr. and New Veteran signing uh, Ryan Neal, who I'm very, very excited about. We could talk about him in a little bit. But after those two safeties, I'm not going to say it's slim pickings because there's a lot of guys that I think have great upside. But it's a lot of undrafted free agents coming in. You have Kayvon Merriweather out of Iowa who trained in the offseason uh, in Tampa. So he's familiar with the area. You got Christian Izian from Rutgers, who's a super athletic guy that has uh, caught the attention of Antoine Winfield Jr., where Antoine even went out to say, he reminds me of myself, which I think that's very high praise for the caliber of player that we all think Antoine Winfield Jr. is. You got Kedrick Whitehead as well, another safety named Whitehead in, in Tampa Bay. I think Bucs fans won't have an issue with that. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, the second-year player, also an undrafted free agent, Nolan Turner I think there's a lot of talent with this group but they are all undrafted free agents and if something happens to Anton Winfield Jr. who's you know had a little bit of an injury history hasn't missed a ton of games but does miss games here and there something happens to him and something happens to Ryan Neal you are asking a lot from this undrafted rookie free agent group yeah,
1: it, it's such a interesting situation. This is one of those groups. I mean, heck, we just talked about it, right? You know, a lot, a lot of youth in a lot of different positions. Ryan Neal is the oldest guy in the room. I think he's, what, 26, Matt? Is that <laughs> yeah. correct?
0: <laughs> yeah, some
1: it, right. So, I mean, that's another position group where you're like, whoa, like this is a young group, like, and I get it with salary cap limitations. Look, folks, these types of things are going to happen. Um, but that is a thing where, you know, hey, if they can free up a little bit more cap space, maybe they can get a guy in there, maybe a veteran, but maybe also look to move Josh Hayes there a little bit as well, like the uh, recent draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the sixth round, I believe, or fifth round, one of the others. Yeah. Um So, you know, that's a guy that you could also move back there as well. But, again, you have a lot of undrafted guys. You have a lot of young guys, a second-year guy, a potential rookie in there as well. Like, Antonio Field Jr. and Ryan Neal are going to be leaned on heavily, I think, going forward with this secondary. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Antoine Field Jr., everybody knows how great he is. Ryan Neal, in my opinion, is one of the most low-key but but – I think, underrated offseason moves that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have made. And, and and I really do like what he brings to the table as a safety. I think he can be an absolute star uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. But, yeah, a lot of an experience there. It's going to be interesting to see how those guys look in preseason, right? Because you hear teams signing guys in the middle of preseason or in the middle of training camp and whatnot. If we get through a preseason game or maybe, you know, through some training camp and things aren't looking great at the back end of that safety room, maybe they will consider bringing in a veteran. They may also play a guy like D Delaney there a little bit more as well. I believe he's been playing a little bit more safety going back to last year. Matt, is that correct?
0: He's been used a lot in the slot. Uh, You know, that, that nickel corner position where Josh Hayes, I I keep leaving him out when I talk about that safety room, because I just look at him as another nickel corner, but yes, D Delaney has played safety before. I think the bucks love the versatility of D Delaney where they can kind of move him around everywhere. And so he's going to be a little bit of that Swiss army knife for this defense. Just a guy that knows Todd Bowles' system has been in it for a couple of years. So if they need him to play corner, he'll play corner. If they need him in the slot, he's going to do that too. And I think at safety, he's going to be a little bit more of a uh, break glass in case of emergency, but definitely capable of uh, playing there.
1: Yeah. So, so it definitely is just a really, Intriguing situation, right? Like Nolan Turner, special teams captain for Clemson for a couple of years. He's going to be an interesting name to pay attention to. I know a lot of people are very excited about Kedrick Whitehead and Kayvon Merriweather and Christian Izzy and some of those undrafted guys. Um, So we'll see how they do, right? It's going to be a lot, like you said, to ask of these young guys to say, hey, you might be the second string guy, you know, going forward into this. Not only might you make the 53-man roster, gosh, you might be on rotation to get some snaps in some regular season games. So let's see how you guys do. So it's definitely a lot of intrigue there with that position group to see how those guys perform, see how those guys do. But I think you also can be very excited about the starting duo of Antoine Winfield Jr. and Ryan Neal, because... Definitely seems like the Buccaneers have a lot of confidence in those guys, also. Understandably so.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. I'm still holding out hope that uh, Logan Ryan will be re-signed at some point. I know he's doing a lot on his own, like some, you know, media type of stuff. But might as well start it now. And then if a team calls you, be like, yeah, I'll, I'll play again for uh, another NFL contract, and then can get back to media um, once, once the season is done. I thought he was so valuable to what Tampa Bay was trying to do on defense last year. I think, again, bringing him in would be a great addition. I'm excited about Josh Hayes see what he can do at nickel along with some of the other guys in there. Uh, Isian, I'm super, super high on. Just that crazy, crazy athleticism. I think he can bring a lot to the table for the Bucks. But let's talk a little bit more about Ryan Neal specifically because, uh, you know, James, you were out there yesterday and a bit of a slower day for Ryan Neal in terms of just – he really stood out, I think, the first two practices. Just the sheer gargantuan size of him next to the rest of the safeties. Like, he sticks out in a great, great way. I think he's going to bring a little bit of that hammer that the Bucks they had it with Keanu Neal last year, but really Jordan Whitehead was the last guy that's going to, you know, lay the woodshed on the opponent. And I understand in today's NFL – you're not going to have that John Lynch type of player anymore. It's just not possible with how the league, you know, tries to protect the safety of the players or at least fake that they want the safety of the players. So they don't get sued for a number of uh, different issues. It's like, oh, we, we want the players to be safe. We're also going to add another game, which eventually they're going to go to 18 games, which is awesome because we all love football, but but I'm just talking about from a player safety um, standpoint, but Ryan Neal, again, versatility is one of the first things that really comes to mind is Uh, Wayne Hankinson says, yep, Ryan Neal will be good this year. Size and speed is awesome for Neal. This is a guy that played everywhere last season for the Seattle Seahawks and just in his career. He's obviously played a lot of special teams because he knows Keith Armstrong a little bit from his days or both of their days back with the Atlanta Falcons. But since he got to Seattle, you know, he played free safety. He played strong safety, which is mostly going to be his role here with Antoine Winfield Jr., moving back to free safety and he can play in the slot too. I don't think the bucks really want to do that at least just yet until there's more pieces to the puzzle, but he has enough speed. He's got a lot of good prowess. Antoine Winfield jr. Has said that, um, you know, Neil is a great communicator, which I think his defense desperately needs because we saw so many breakdowns over the past couple of seasons that when you bring in all these new guys, all this young talent that we just talked about. You need that one staple, that foundation to kind of keep it all together. And that's kind of what Logan Ryan was. So maybe Ryan Neal can kind of take the mantle there if Logan Ryan isn't going to return. And I think the biggest thing, I've used this analogy before, James. I'm curious to get your opinion on it. I think Ryan Neal is in a similar situation to when the Bucks signed Shaq Barrett a couple of years ago, where just a guy that was a third, fourth string player on the depth chart – You had studs in front of him, specifically with Shaq Barrett, um, you know, with Von Miller over in Denver. Seattle safeties, you know, good, but not to the level of Von Miller. But anyway, that's besides the point. Just Ryan Neal biding his time, trying to get playing time. Got snaps last year, but because of injury, not because, hey, we believe in you, you're the guy. And then the fact that the Seahawks, first of all, they, like, put the restriction on him to make him – Uh, you know, not open to everyone in free agency and then rescinded that. And that was a blessing in disguise for Tampa Bay specifically. I'm not saying Ryan Neal's going to have the type of year that Shaq Barrett did when Shaq Barrett had 19 and a half sacks. Like, I don't think Ryan Neal's going to have 10 sacks, five forced fumbles. Sorry, 10 interceptions, five sacks, and like four forced fumbles. You know, that'd be a crazy year and maybe somewhat of an equivalency to, I don't even know if that's a word, an equivalent to – Shaq Barrett. But I do think it's one of those things where he's signing a one-year prove it deal, and that could parlay into a huge long-term contract as a cornerstone of this Bucks defense.
1: No, I agree 100%. That's the same similarity that I made whenever Ryan you know, had been signed to the team. I thought, man, this situation reminds me so much of the Shaq Barrett scenario, right, where it's a guy – looking to prove his worth here at the NFL in his mid twenties saying, Hey, I know I can play some football. I know I can be good. Who's going to give me a shot. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers said, well, we need some safeties. Why don't we go ahead and bring you in? And I think it's such a good situation for Ryan Neal because what does Todd Bowles Excel at is developing and cultivating yes. the talents of safeties. I mean, gosh, Absolutely. he did, He's done it for, for years and years and years and years. We've seen the bucks almost be like a safety factory in a way, right? like, Jordan Whitehead came into this system, he got out, he got paid. Mike Edwards came into this system, he went out, he didn't get paid as much, but he still, you know, went off and joined the Kansas City Chiefs and the defending Super Bowl champions, which I think is a pretty good scenario for him. Keanu Neal came back, he had played linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys before, came back, played safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played pretty good, went out and joined the Pittsburgh Steelers, got paid a little bit more than he probably would have. In last year as well. So, like, there have been guys who have come in and succeeded in this defense and have gone on to go get some bigger contracts and really just overall raise their stock in Tampa Bay because of what Todd Bowles can do with that safety position. So, I think that that's a match made in heaven between Bowles and Ryan Neal. Dude's big. Like you said, like, what is he, 6'3, 190, something like that? Mm-hmm.
0: He just stands it, out they, above everyone else.
1: Quite literally. You know, like not even just his play, but also just because of his stature, like he's a big dude. So one thing that I thought was so interesting last year with Neil was that he wasn't blitzed a lot. And he's got the size to be an insane blitzer, I think. And I think we can see that change with Todd Bowles and all the exotic fronts and blitzes that he sends out. I think Neil can be a force as a pass rusher and as a pass coverage guy as well. Again, we've talked about it before one of the better pass coverage safeties in the entire league last year based on the snaps that he played. So this is a move that I think, again, we talked about it earlier, very underrated signing, but I think one that can pay massive dividends right away for the Bucs.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think in the tenure of, of Todd Bowles, just as a defensive play caller, obviously being the defensive coordinator and then moving to head coach, you see the free safety blitz all the time. We've seen it a million times with Anton Winfield Jr. But we haven't seen it as much at free uh, – sorry, at strong safety. Like Jordan Whitehead wasn't always a blitzer. He would play up in the box. Don't get me wrong. Jordan Whitehead was great in the run game preventing any team really from moving the ball against Tampa Bay. Even if you got past the the force field of Vita Vea and everybody else on that defensive line, Jordan Whitehead would be right there to – to clean it up after and you know they didn't blitz a strong safety too much last season as well but I do remember there was one specific play I think it was early on the season against the Saints and they blitzed Keanu Neal and he annihilated the quarterback but they called him for a roughing the passer was one of those like he just lifted his head a little bit too much and the crown of his helmet hit the you know hit the quarterback's helmet and so therefore it's a 15-yard penalty it was very early on in the game they don't blitz the strong safety a lot, but when they do, it's been very deliberate and quite successful. So I'm curious if they'll dip into that just a little bit more given the skill set of Ryan Neal. Or yeah, as you said, just Todd Bowles coming up with all of these different crazy chaotic schemes that we've loved to see, just seeing all these different players lining up in unnatural positions, I think, is uh super super fun. And Maybe Todd Bowles doesn't have to draw up all those things if the edge rushers really come to play. And I I think edge rusher, we talked about Shaq Barrett before, is another position where you're not immediately relying on the youth because you have Shaq Barrett, and that's a huge question mark coming back from that Achilles injury and just personal turmoil uh, specifically. We've all talked about Joe Tryonchenko, what he's going to bring Anthony Nelson had a great season last year, second on the team in sacks with five and a half. That led all the edge rushers, the outside linebackers in the group. But I wonder if that was his ceiling or if he can grow further than that. But that's a long roundabout way of me saying, if JTS doesn't pick it up, if Anthony Nelson, if that's his ceiling, the Bucs bulked up an edge rusher this year with Yaya Diaby specifically, their third round pick out of uh, Louisville. They also drafted Jose Ramirez in the sixth round and these players Diaby I think we can talk a little bit more about just given where he was drafted I don't know if they're going to be immediate impact players but if there's one injury or you know if Shaq Barrett it takes long for him to return from that Achilles injury or something happens to JTS or Anthony Nelson then it's Yaya Diaby's job and I think early on he's going to be a situational pass rusher maybe just come in on on third down or whatever it may be But this guy is gigantic, and I'm very excited to see what Yaya will bring to Tampa Bay's uh, pass rush.
1: Yeah, Yaya Diaby was such an interesting pick, right? Like, the dude's a freak athlete, and that was such an interesting thing about this Bucks draft class early on was they drafted so, so many strong athletes, right? Like guys that just had absolute speed. Even guy like Cody Mock, Kalaja Kansi, and Yaya Diaby, your first couple of picks, those guys are athletes. Some of the top athletes at their respective positions this year. So it's going to be interesting to see where Yaya Diaby fits into this mix at edge rusher. Is he going to be, you know, competing with a guy like Anthony Nelson for those third, outside edge rushing linebacker snaps that remains to be seen they obviously like anthony nelson a lot they signed him to a pretty substantial extension you have jts there as well you've got shaq barrett this is a pretty healthy looking unit right with a lot of youth some good veteran stuff mixed in there as well and i think yaya Diabis, you know i understand a lot of hype and if he is able to get some playing time I think he's definitely going to turn some heads, definitely going to surprise some people with his overall efficiency just because of the sheer athleticism he has. If he can develop a couple of moves, man, oh, man, this guy can be really good.
0: Right. That's the the big question with Yaya. Is he kind of had like one big breakout year at Louisville, and it, the question always is, was that a flash in the pan or is that just a continuation on what he can do? I mean, he came in so bulked out like it was awesome to see people were going nuts over it going absolutely crazy about yaya diaby i think he's got that really exciting combination of both size speed and athleticism which yes joe Try and had that but yaya has it in a little bit of a, a different way i think he's a little bit more of a dog if you, if you know what i mean like he's he's gonna get after it he's gonna get in your face um and just bring a little bit different element to this box pass rushing situation. And then Jose Ramirez had a defensive touchdown yesterday. That was cool. It was more of a, you know, just right place, right time type of uh, situation. But we'll see if he latches on. You know, obviously, again, youth, speed. That was kind of his game at Eastern Michigan. You know, he's going to have Pat O'Connor in his corner because Pat O'Connor also went to uh, to Eastern Michigan. If he brings something to the table, awesome. You know, at that point when you're drafting sixth-round guys, you're just looking for special teams as much as they try to get rid of special teams in the NFL. If he brings anything to it, awesome. And if not, well, you know, not a lot of sixth-round draft picks really pan out. Um, anyway. There's one more position I want to talk about, but you know, the Bucks are they're they're betting on a lot of guys to to step up and play in big roles this season. So um You know, they're betting on their players. If you want to bet on the entire Bucks team, of course, you got to be doing it at mybookie.ag. We've all been there before. A weekend trip to the casino canceled because real life came calling. Well, MyBookie's new and improved online casino is here to change the game. Dive into a truly realistic casino experience featuring the latest in slots, progressive jackpots, and live dealer action all from the comfort of your own home. Take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments and a brand new collection of high-end games for a chance at real cash rewards. The MyBookie Casino provides a Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands. And the best part is, you don't even need to wear pants. Though, I would recommend still wearing pants, at least shorts. Your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus using promo code pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, folks, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. The more you play, the more you win. So play anytime, anywhere with the MyBookie Casino at MyBookie.com. AG You use that promo code Pewter. You can also get up to $1,000 with your first deposit bonus. Absolutely free. So Even if you learn from Plants City math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code Pewter. P-E-W-T-E-R. And, of course, a lot of great stuff to bet on right now. NBA Finals, like we talked about. Uh, game 3 going on tonight. Um, again, got to give a shout-out to Stephen and Che. Trust the data. Keep hammering those uh, Jimmy Butler over assists. I haven't looked at the line just yet for uh, the game itself. Well, I'll probably end up taking something. Uh, but yeah, go to mybook.ag. The Rays are uh, playing great, you know. So really, just betting on them every single day—you can't really go wrong. Um, and of course, the uh, you know a lot of Lightning fans probably very happy that the Vegas Golden Knights are really taking it to the Florida Panthers um, at the moment. So you can bet on the Stanley Cup as well and. The Belmont Stakes is this weekend on on Saturday. So a lot of awesome stuff to bet on. Over at mybookie.ag, as uh, Tom says, Plant City Manth represent Christopher Cole saying, the best show ever. Thank you very much, Christopher Cole. So the last position I want to talk about, um, going back to the offensive side of the ball. Again, with this position, you have the top guys. They aren't getting replaced. But after that, who's going to make the team? Who could eventually maybe get to that third spot? I'm talking about wide receiver. We all know it's Mike and Chris. Don't get me wrong. Russell Gage with this injury, though, if it is a legit injury, that opens the door for a couple of these young guys. And like at safety, where we talked about a lot of the undrafted free agents, the Bucks at wide receiver in a similar spot. Now, they drafted nebraska wide receiver trey palmer brings a lot of speed a 4-3 speed which i think is super cool gonna take the top off of the defense but then you have a couple of guys from last year with devin tompkins who was the uh, kick returner as well caitlin geiger who is super super crazy athletic was on the practice squad this year you have a couple other guys Cade warner obviously the son of kurt warner from kansas state i'm obligated to say that because of scott reynolds um Cade Warner, Raheem Jarrett, another wide receiver. I believe he played at Maryland. So a lot of talent over at that position at, in the undrafted free agent market. And, of course, a late-round draft pick with Trey Palmer as well. Depending on what happens with Russell Gage, James, I don't want to get too excited about Trey Palmer because I did the same thing with Jalen Darden. But I do think Trey, uh, sorry, Trey Palmer brings a different skill set to the Bucs offense besides just speed. But between Trey Palmer and the crazy athleticism of someone like Geiger and what Cade Warner can do and Rakim Jarrett mixed in with this new offense with Dave Canales and wide receiver coach Brad Idzik, the Bucs aren't crazy tall outside of Mike and Chris, but they don't need to because they have that speed and with the shorter mesh routes and things like that. A lot of these players fit right into this new offense.
1: Yeah, no, I think that the Bucks have obviously tabbed wide receivers, the, the types of wide receivers that they're interested in, kind of speedier guys that you can get out, and get out into open space and get a lot of yards after the catch types of receivers. Uh, one veteran I want to talk about is David Moore, real quick. By yeah. the way, as well, um, he was a rookie mini camp guy. They had, they had had him on a trial contract, signed him to a full time deal. I honestly, I think we talk about youth. I think having a guy like David Moore there is going to help out those young wide receivers a lot. And I also think that, you know, may really boost his chances to make that 53-man roster uh, when matched up against, you know, all these younger NFL wide receivers because of the familiarity with, Dave Canales and some of this offensive coaching staff now, but yeah, the Bucks have a lot of wide receivers who can step up in a lot of different situations. Whenever you look at Dave Canales's offense and the different types of ways they're going to utilize guys and and the creativity with play calling and whatnot expectedly, obviously we don't fully know what Dave Canales' system is going to look like just yet, but it definitely is going to be worth paying attention to. Obviously, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those are going to be your two guys. Russell Gage, it really is unfortunate that he's been dealing with some yeah. injury hang-ups the past couple of years since he has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hopefully, he can come back fully healthy and get ready with that. But you have Kalen Geiger. You have Devin Tompkins, who's a big guy, was their returner last year. You, you have some other guys in that mix that are going to be really interesting and really worth paying attention to. Trey Palmer in there as well. There are a lot of young wide receivers that I think can benefit from this style of offense that's going to be put in now. If this was, say, last year's offense with Byron Leftwich, I would say that the Bucs, honestly, after Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, might be a little bit in trouble. Yeah. But because this is an offense that's going to complement your skill position players more so than what we've seen in the past couple of years, I think that there are a lot of exciting guys that I think really could step up and make some names for themselves.
0: I think you you make a lot of fantastic points. Of This new offense is so much more suited to the guys they have on this roster. Now, granted, some of them they drafted this year, so they knew there was going to be a change in the offense, and uh, that's why they target some of those players specifically. But you hear a lot of the Bucks' offensive players, like whether it was Rashad White, who we had on the podcast last week, or Tristan Wirfs, and, and you hear a lot of the same type of stuff, whether it's the motion, but really just – everything's simplified and I don't think there's any better way to bring in new players or specifically rookie players uh, into the NFL with a simple offense that is kind of easier to grasp. And it's so funny because there's so much motion there's so much stuff going on. It looks complex, but it really is simple um, at the end of the day, which is super, super cool to see and hopefully super beneficial to the Bucks offense. You just heard me mention that we had Rashad White on the show last week. That was absolutely awesome. We have Cody Malk on the week before. So we went Cody Malk, Rashad White. Tomorrow, we are having Bucks right tackle Luke Getickey on the show. Gonna be very exciting. Talking to Luke, obviously, about his career so far. A lot of ups and downs last season, but now making that move fully to right tackle and what we can expect from him that se- this season coming up. That's going to be at seven p.m. tomorrow eastern standard time because we have so many awesome fans from across the globe might be at a different time for you but 7 p.m. eastern going to be a ton of fun having luke getticky on the show and of course please make sure you like and subscribe to all of our social media on uh, twitter instagram and facebook we are at pewter report and of course our youtube channel is pewter report tv we have so much content up right now and more to come thanks to james this new edition, just adding so much more to pewter report and of course our, our youtube channel a lot of shorts different reels um if there's anything that you guys want specifically feel free to uh you know comment in the chat below any type of content you're looking for or if there's a a player we missed or a position that we missed on the today's topic that uh you think that we should have talked about or at least someone that y- you feel passionately about feel free to put that in the comments as well, but yeah, one more time, please like and subscribe to uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pewter Report and YouTube Pewter Report TV. But that's gonna do it for us on tonight's show, James. Yes, sir. One more Go thing, ahead.
1: check us out on TikTok as well.
0: Yes, we have a TikTok. We're uh, dipping into that a little bit more. Um, yeah, very exciting stuff. Obviously, TikTok is uh, kind of running the game right now. So if you want quick. Fast hitting Bucks content. You know where to find us uh, at Peter Report on TikTok as well. James, been awesome chatting with you. Uh, a lot of great stuff coming up from James this season with PeterReport.com. But that's going to do it for us tonight. For James Hill, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everybody for watching. We love you, Peter people, and we will see you tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Luke key on the show. Get ready. Luke Gedeke, starting right tackle. Out. Peace.